This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello and welcome to Line Dance Podcast with Megan Barsley and Christopher Gonzalez. We are outside today in sunny Cotati, California, neighboring where I live in Rohnert Park, California, and where Megan grew up-ish, actually, because she grew up in Santa Rosa, California. So as you can tell from our audio and with the things that I have said in these last 30 seconds, we made it back home. <laughs> we safe did. and sound. Our first part reflection was recorded on Thursday night slash super early Friday morning at the event itself of Line Dance Marathon. And all the other reflections and playlist breakdowns are going to be long after the fact. This being one of those. Friday is where we have left off since we've completed Thursday. And we have a schedule in front of us showing what was done and in our heads, maybe hopefully, what we did. Yeah. So, Thursday night... Friday, early, early morning. We were up until 3 o'clock in the morning. Woo! Dancing the social dance. And I don't know about you personally, but it took me a while to wind back down once I got up to my room. So I wasn't able to officially close my eyes probably until about 4.30 in the morning. Easy. But at 11 o'clock in the morning... I promised to attend Debbie Pankos' finesse on the floor technique class since I accidentally slept through a different technique class of hers back in New York State Alive. So I promised her this time I would show up, it would happen, I would make it happen. I was there too. So I actually got up and started getting ready probably around 9, 9.15-ish. But it was a very, very rough morning, so it took me a little while longer than I'd like it to have. Um, at this time, 9.30 in the morning, began U- the USLDCC Championship Preliminaries. Um, the judges included Darren Bailey, Gary O'Reilly, Joey Warren, John Robinson, and Linda McCormick. And this is the finals for the competition that's been held all year round where you have to qualify by placing in with one dance and then competing in, an, in another of that same category. So newcomer, novice, placing, and then, and then also competing in additional um, competition. And you get reserved spots and you create a dance for the finals. I showed up probably about halfway through the competition you and Jono and Carrie were already down there watching yeah I don't know what I was doing awake that early because I also (laughs) stayed up late and also didn't get to sleep immediately so I think what happened was John John Robinson my roommate at the event got up early because he needed to be down there and at some point I must have woken up and like well you know what I'm already up I guess I'll just stay up and continued down to catch the competition from after the point of beginners finishing. I think I got there in time for the intermediate and phrased categories. Yeah, I was about halfway through the, the intermediate category. So. Oh, and you helped round out the number of us who were at UCWDC Worlds when it was in San Francisco as we had Carrie and Jono sitting together already, and then I came up and uh, joined the two of them, and when you got there, that was the four of us. Yeah. Yeah. There were others as well. I mean, I guess John was technically there as well, because he was on the judging panel for this. Right. And he was uh, on staff at Worlds. Yay. Of of us kids. Of us kids. Love it. the four of us. Love representing. Yeah. So, looking at the schedule, Friday... At 10 a.m., you had Guillaume Richard teaching Rocket Man, Rhoda Lai, Tell Me All the Ways, Rona Kay, It's All About the Three Steps, and Johnny Two Step, 
black dress, red shoes. Now, we were watching the finals during this point, so we took none of those. <laughs> the next hour, from 11 to 11.50, you had Shane McKeever, Fall So Fast, Megan Wheeler, Bad Guy, Darcy, Darcy DeAngelis in No You in Oklahoma, and then Debbie Pankos, Vanessa on the, on the Floor, Technique Class, which I took. I really enjoyed actually hearing her on the mic. I, I thought she did a really, really good job of explaining and using analogies while she was trying to direct people in how to move and really use their body as opposed to just picking up their feet. Um, I thought it was fun to hear her use a lot of analogies with her owning birds and she'd use like wingspan and and stuff like that so that was kind of fun uh she has a really really nice voice on the mic i thought it was very calm very soothing but very like alert and descriptive as well uh do you have thoughts on the class was she the one who was saying something about being a duck where you're all calm on the surface yes. and you're flapping around your little webbed but feet in the underneath, bottom? Underneath, yeah. yeah. Yep. That's... I, li- I like that analogy as well. Yeah. How you, you can look like you're smooth and just sailing on top, but underneath your feet are kicking a mile a minute. Right. Yeah, I got a lot out of that class. I especially liked how she described nightclub two-step sidesteps where it's not necessarily a bigger step than usual. It's just going with your feet um, in your upper body. So it's not foot goes first and drags your upper body along slightly afterward. It's all together, and thus, um, as a united body, it looks bigger. Yes. Yeah. I liked yeah. The, uh, the exercises she had us do, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a fond, fond person of any kind of technique, and I've slowly but surely began to try and integrate just little, little things of technique into my lessons as I have begun to come across them more naturally now that I've practiced some of them as as much as I have. I feel a little bit more confident in explaining uh, the difference between what we call a shuffle and a lockstep and such. Um, I like being able to add that little bit of flavor in, and it's nice when you get those from certain uh, instructors. Joe is really good at doing that, as is Rachel. I really enjoy their lessons for that little bit of technique that they add. Roy, how does she wrote those? Another one that adds just a little bit of technique or styling into his. That's really nice. So... Anyways, from there, from 12 to 12.50, you had Scott Blevins with apple juice. And I found it funny because right next to him, John Robinson was teaching Shelby juice. So lots of juice that hour. Then you had Krista Thomas, Love is a Battlefield. And then Guillaume Richard, Remember You Young. Now, I honestly don't know what I was doing that hour. Because I wasn't upstairs resting. And... I wasn't taking any of those classes. I wonder if I was on my way to open dancing with Hal Payne, because I spent a lot of time in that room. Maybe that's what it was, because mm. I know I was in that room for a little bit. I did a lot of walking around and talking with people. I know that's mm. what I, I did this event. I really focused on socializing and getting to know people and kind of expanding my horizons that way. So maybe that's what I was doing. I'd also believe it if I went upstairs and napped. Because it looks like I wouldn't have had to be anywhere until 2 o'clock. And I do remember missing the beginning of that hour. I also remember giving you the recording equipment for I'm So Hot, Hot, Hot that same hour. Oh, I know what we did. We actually went upstairs and recorded the episode. Oh, did we? Yes. Oh, because... <laughs> because I remember we running were, downstairs yeah. for the 2 o'clock lesson with Rebecca while eating my peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And then I misplaced my folder, and yes. it turns out it was just in a different pocket of my 
backpack than I was expecting. Yes. Or so suitcase. We actually recorded our first episode that day. Yay. So that we didn't lose anything from Thursday. See, yes. this is why it's important to record these as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. And if you are one who likes to look back on your, on your own events, jotting down notes during or immediately afterwards will certainly help you when you're looking back and reflecting upon things. Mm-hmm. Because it's very easy just to forget little moments. So, I... Okay, so we skipped the the next hour, which is 1 to 150. So Madison Glover taught Simply the Best. Joey taught When You Walk In. Kayla Cosgrove taught Speed of Love. And then Darren Bailey taught Big Mouth and Country Bump. From 2 o'clock, that was the heartbreaking hour for me. This whole weekend, that was the hardest... Hardest... Hour because you had Fred Whitehouse, I Can't Stop, which is one of his new dances that I really, really wanted to learn. You had my new dance with Rebecca Lee, I'm So Hot, Hot, Hot. Then you had Gary O'Reilly, Dance on My Island. And then Rosie Maltari was teaching Native Tongue and your new dance, Party in the Back. So I'm like, of all of the scheduled hours, they had to have all of these at the same hour. So, naturally... I went with I'm So Hot, Hot, Hot because that is mine and Rebecca's dance. And I went with Party in the Back because that's mine. Right. So how did, how was your experience with Rosie's class? Well, I think we had about a 30-ish minute teach for Native Tongue and about 20 for Party in the Back. And then a bit of transition time after that for the next instructor to come into the room. After it was taught and danced through once to party by Offenbach and like three other people. I mean, herbal tea, wax, and lack of fro. I would love to know where these people come up with these names. Yeah, yeah. Um... After we did it to that, which was what it was originally choreographed to, we did it to, I think, a little bit of... Actually, I think we did it all the way through of um, In the Cool, Cool, Cool of the Evening by Frank Sinatra. The whole thing being 1 minute 51 seconds. And after that was Tore Back, which I originally was only going to do two walls of because there's strong language in it for country bars and they liked it I was fading it out two walls in and and um, they for whatever I, I like the song I guess like as it is but I just really had it as an alternative in case people are at bars where they will only allow them to play country music and you know, it's the same tempo as P-A-R-T-Y they wanted to dance the rest of it and we did and Afterward, after they danced it to all three of these different song options, I got the most positive feedback for Tor Back. After my disclaimers that it includes words for the posterior and a word that sounds like darn or is spelled like darn but has an M in it. After all this, they still liked it. I did not expect that. It really does, I think, go well, though, for... You know, the kicks and the butt mm-hmm. stuff. Like, there's there's some there's some Booty meaty movement in that dance that I think that song helps express. Okay. So, we'll see. When I, when I put the sheet out formally, we'll see which song ends up at the top and which other two are the alternates. Gotcha. Yeah. I'll, unfortunately, I did not uh, get to record a full go-through with um, the original song because I thought that we were going to do it a couple of times with that track and we did not have time to so I didn't think to record it when we did and I didn't have a tripod with me so I couldn't just record all of them either like I would have had to definitely deliberately hand over my camera to a human person who wasn't taking the lesson, and a lot of them in that room were. Yeah. Which is, you know, a good problem to have. 
Yeah, so I was a few moments late running into I'm so hot, hot, hot. And they were already on just about to start the second eight count. And the first eight count has a sailor half turn in it, so you end up facing the back wall. So I didn't have any time to set up the tripod so that I could film because they needed someone on the back wall. So I ran in, jumped on the back wall, and we pretty much did the dance. I was, I was pleasantly surprised at just how many people were in that room. There was a very good number of people with the fact that you had Fred and Gary teaching the same hour, and it was new dances by both of them. So I was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised when I walked in and I saw a pretty good sized uh, floor. And of course, I love Rebecca. I think she's adorable and I love her teaches and she, I always have a lot of fun. So it was really entertaining and informative for me listening to her teach this dance because I'm going to have to teach this as well. So it's nice to hear how she describes certain movements, how, whereas I may not have had the descriptions yet. So that was nice to get kind of a spark of inspiration in that sense. Um, I'm trying to think. They actually did a really good job of getting the dance almost first try. Like there was a lot of it where we really didn't have to go over and re-break down a lot of steps, so that was promising. Um, there is some interesting, fun hand movements in it, uh, so I appreciate your input on how to describe the hand movements on the step sheet. That was nice of you. And it was a lot of fun. I, too, thought we were going to dance it more than we did because she said we're going to dance it two more times and we only danced it once so I thought I was going to have enough time to set up the tripod um, for the third go through and as I ran to grab it we pretty much she said thank you everyone and excused them from the class and I went oh no <laughs> so unfortunately I did not get to film as well but I got a lot of really positive feedback from everyone in that class that was also very nice they really enjoyed it said it's it's good high fun energy so I appreciated that um, after that I have no idea what I did we have three o'clock was Madison Glover get wild Linda McCormick while you wait Joey Warren in the six and Hannah Reese knocking boots and feels like a party I think I must have been doing open dance then. That probably is what was going on. Because if Party in the Back had been down that hallway, then directly across from that would have been Hal Payne's open dance. Yeah. I, I think if I were going to notice that it had been going on, that would have been the time. Oh, you know what I was doing at that point? I was going over demos. Hmm. Oh, right. We did go over some with Rosie. Yeah. Because we told her we would meet her after that class. And we went over the next day's demo dances. Yeah. Rosie taught us a few of her demo dances. Mm -hmm. I went over pretty much all of the ones I was helping with just so that I knew I had them. And then that's what I did for those two hours as well as I spoke with uh, Darren and Fred for a little bit and got some information from them and advice. So from four to five, you had Shane McKeever with Baby Mata, Gary O'Reilly, All I Need to Know, Brenna Stiff, got my, or Get My Soul Back, and Lynn Martino, Keep on Smiling, Tell Me the Truth. I think it's Tell the Truth. Oh, sorry, Tell the Truth. Um, five o'clock to 6.30, allegedly, there was demos of the USLDCC Championship Finals for previews for, and then previews for Saturday and Sunday. That's the demos for the dances. Now, the ones I know I helped demo included um, All I Am Is You, which Cody Flowers did. 
If I Can't Have You by Rosie Matallery. Nope. Lily or Like I Love You by Darren. We helped Madison with Lonely Lovers. That was a lot of fun to get out there. I helped Kayla with Satisfied. And then we helped Rosie with Soldier Boy Stroll. As well as we did, I did more, I thought. We are now looking at the Sunday schedule because Saturday and Sunday demos were both demoed on Friday. Yes, um, because of the show on Saturday night. I helped Darren with Nothing Without You, which I absolutely love, love, love Amy's new waltz. So, backing up, demo-wise, it was nice to get out there and demo as much as I did. I always loved demoing. It was different for me because normally I know a whole lot more of the dances to begin with that I don't actually have to go through and learn a bunch of them. And yet this time I didn't. So I think it's kind of nice and interesting that Marathon provides so many new dances every year to kind of kick off the season. So I think I'll keep an eye out to see which ones kind of struck gold at the event and which ones go the distance for the rest of the year uh, to keep an idea of what I might do next year. Because I certainly plan on attending next year as well. So, um, what were your thoughts on the demo session? It was weird not doing as many. Um, I think I was on the clock for this as well we got a separate DJ schedule and mostly I was just observing from behind the table which is unusual I think we probably could have even though we said this the last time we did demos probably the time before that (laughs) and probably in an episode of the podcast or two We would have benefited from um, preparing ourselves earlier so that we could have done all of the ones that we thought that we were going to do. And yet, we learned one of them that had some tricky direction changes too late. and We didn't quite feel confident in it by the time demo time came around. This is one of the things we were supposed to learn from, but I guess we'll just keep learning it every time we don't well the, to be <laughs> fair we did learn a small step in this the fact that because we weren't comfortable with it mm-hmm. we sat it out as opposed to yes. going out and still fighting for it anyways Yeah, which doesn't necessarily work out so good No. so we did at least learn that much like if you are not comfortable with it and you don't believe you can sell it sit it out mm-hmm least that would be my takeaway oh also um a system that i enacted for thursday's demos going into friday and friday's going into saturday and sunday was new for me because it was related to djing instead of dancing usually when i watch demos, I will mark or circle dances that I am considering taking. These can be slower or faster, it doesn't really matter as long as I'm interested in them. For me, for me to learn. However, after looking at things like flow and energy leading up to the event, I knew that I would want to be aware of which dances were faster and more energetic and upbeat and which ones could potentially kill the floor. So, And everything in between. Right. By marking the ones that looked like they would rejuvenate the crowd, I could be ready later when it was time to put up on the big screen, this was taught in your workshop today or within this weekend. 
some might say, well, wait a second, why don't you just play all of the ones that were taught in workshops? That's why they brought them to the event, so that they could be played in the main ballroom. That's what people paid to see. Let's look at the schedule. 10 a.m. Oh, sorry. Four lessons. 11, 12, 1, 2, 3, 4. All have four lessons. So that's four times seven. 28 dances, 28 songs. And actually, it's more than that. Because some of these hours have two lessons, as they were beginner teaches. Mathematically, there would not be time to play all of these dances with even spacing among dances that people already know. Some people actually go to these events and do not take many classes and do not learn what just came out because sometimes they want to wait a while and see what sticks and what they will have learned that they can dance throughout the year and not just at that event or within the next two months because the line dance world is kind of nutty like that. There's a lot of excitement and then a new event happens and there's a lot of excitement and dances are forgotten along the way. People like to dance what they know and they like to dance what they feel confident in and at any given time even if they feel confident in say one of the dances they learned earlier in the day those people did not learn the other three dances taught that hour. You are not going to get a full floor from playing any of these dances because it was divided that hour. As opposed to, say, American Kids, which people have had years to learn and does not experience the same sort of time conflict. This is a long way of saying some dances are chosen to be played in the main ballroom in the evening from the weekend's workshop teaches, and some are not. It helps having numbers of who or how many people were uh, in the class. And in looking at that, hopefully, three-digit figure, you can estimate how much of your dancing audience will be engaged. If the song is great and it's real peppy, but there were 20 people or fewer in the class, then a lot of people are going to have to sit and watch while those 20 people have fun. And an event where there are hundreds of people, having 380, let's say, waiting for three minutes, well, is not the worst thing, is not something that you should do for a significant portion of the evening, because there are other dances that people enjoy that they can participate in that they just happened to learn before that weekend. I think that the workshop teachers are great for setting a foundation and saying, this is my new dance, give it a whirl, try it out once here on the floor during our teach, and then maybe talk to your instructor about bringing it back to your home community center and reviewing it there. That way, at the next event, hopefully, if enough people do this, there will be a large number of people on the floor doing that dance. Even if they're not doing it because it was taught at that next event. But people just like it, and it gets passed around and picked up. I I, think it helps when people request the dances, though. Like, if multiple people come up and be like, have you played insert workshop dance here? mm -hmm. Hearing that a lot probably helps you as well, though. I was surprised that there were some dances that I have on my schedule as being happy face dances. Meaning, wow, this looks like a real fun one. I bet lots of people are going to take this. And as a DJ, 
This is a great one to have to break up the She Used to Be Mines and Love Remains and pieces and recoverings of the line dance world. Because there are some DJs, I, I'm not necessarily one of them, but there are some DJs who suggest that playing more than two slow songs in a row puts the entire room to sleep. Even if many people are dancing, those very popular slow dances, too many of them can change the energy of the room, according to some. Having these upbeat dances, especially if they were also taught that weekend, um, can keep people's blood pumping at 11.30pm when otherwise they would be tempted to go to sleep. I thought there would be more of those workshop teachers requested, and there were actually just a handful. Interesting. Yeah, and I would have been right there, finger on the button, to play some of these, what I thought, you know, big potential, big time dances by established choreographers. But if they don't request it, then I can't do it in good conscience. Like, my style over the three days evolved based on feedback and watching the room. And what was really stressed to me was the importance of playing people's requests. And there are times when I can use my discretion and say, mm, they are requesting that and everything on this list is now down to slow songs. But if I do just their requests, then they're going to be getting only slow songs. That's when I can step in and be like, okay, well, I'm going to do an upbeat one that I think that they'll all know, even though no one requested it, because that's what the room needs right now. And then you can break up a couple of those slow... Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yet, if I cannot guarantee that one of the upbeat teaches is going to have many people dancing it, then that would be when I'm less inclined to take a chance. Kind of like how if there's a dance that I really like and I love the song and I want to spend the next four minutes enjoying it with whoever requested it and her two friends or whatever the case may be, I may have an inkling that the person is alone in that request. And as much as I might like it and as much as the energy of the music might get hearts pounding, the sight of a mostly empty floor will also cause some eyebrow furrowing. So the, in those cases, my discretion leads me to play dances that are not on the request list, but which I know people will dance. In a perfect world, everyone would just request all the stuff that I want to hear. <laughs> and... Workshop teaches would be evenly distributed and not in too great a number so that people feel like they learned the dance. And there would be enough time to play everyone's requests. Yes. And they could review. And people, when they make requests, are not requesting ones that they know only they know. Perfect worlds. Yeah, yeah. And I, honestly, I would stay up until dawn or longer every night if it meant playing everyone's requests. But I did not do the late night dance playing the first few nights. I had the proud honor of opening the floor and that along with it, unfortunately came with a time limit. Yeah. I don't know what would be more intimidating or exciting or like I don't know like, whether to open the floor or to close it. There's pressure either way. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm like I'm not sure. Like I know me personally I dance more in the late night sets. Then I do the opening sets. 
so that might slightly influence my opinion of what I would rather do. Mm. But at the same time, it's a lot of pressure to open when everybody's in the ballroom versus, you know, 20 to 40 people in the ballroom at 3 o'clock in the morning. It's a whole lot of different, it's a whole different ball game. Yeah, I'll definitely have thoughts on all of that as we go deeper into these reflections. Did you have any other thoughts about Friday? I thought Friday was interesting. Mm. And I use the word interesting because I played so hard Thursday and Thursday night that when I woke up Friday it felt like it could be Saturday. (laughs) Possibly even Sunday. And I definitely think that that uh, may have advised my body as to whether or not lessons were in my immediate future (laughs) other than the technique and I'm so hot 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 Um, I don't remember much of Friday's open dance the honestly without looking at the the playlist most of the open dance nights kind of bleed together in the sense that they're all just so much fun Um, I do remember playing a lot with Guillaume this weekend in several of the dances and that was a lot of fun I absolutely adore him and his passion and compassion for the dancers on the floor he is quite a phenomenal individual and he's one of those very helpful people to have just like our own former president of Sonoma State Line Dance Club Stephanie Miller who will call the restarts (laughs) every time (laughs) let me talk about Sunday for a minute no I'll get there Sunday and the restarts we have to bookmark that indeed Friday I think was one of the first times that I made extensive use of one of those open dance rooms for dances that I just wanted to dance but no longer need to do in the main ballroom. Oh, was that when we were with Tina? Really late at night as well. Or was that Saturday? That was Friday night. So, yeah. Uh, okay. What I'm referring to in particular is Open Dance with Hal Payne. Oh, okay. And that's where, because the room was empty and he didn't have anything playing, maybe there were a couple people just kind of sitting enjoying the quiet of the room. I went in and requested Speechless and Free Fallen. And oh, I wish I would have known. I would have gone in there with bring you. Bring It and whatever else I knew. I wanted to just physically dance without having any reasonable expectation of them being played later. When is Speechless ever played at an event? Unless Rachel is there. And even then, probably not. Um, Did it on Free Fallen? Bring it, maybe if Joey's around. But uh, AM to PM was another one that I did. Haven't seen that since one of the windy cities in the last couple year, a couple years, and I thought that was really good for me before we got into open dance later because I got some of them out of my system. That's fine. And I didn't feel like I was waiting, holding on to the the dances I really wanted to do just to find myself disappointed that I didn't get to do all of them or even one of them since there are so many other people that a DJ has to play for. Mm -hmm. And I know that the dances that I am most excited by right now are not the presently most popular or known. True. Even if they were at some point in the past, Trust Me was another one I did. Yes, I definitely did Trust Me Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, that was popular years ago, but you wouldn't expect many to know it at one of these events today. So I still got to have the fun of dancing it and exposing more people to it. We did the same with Beethoven's Boogie uh, when you arrived. 
And I think what has kind of evolved about my feelings on these kind of dances is that I don't need them to be given the legitimacy or the validity of a main ballroom canonical play. Now it's just like, I'm going to have fun with this. I just want to dance it. doesn't matter where it is. doesn't matter who else is dancing it with me. I just want to feel it. And here's a room in which I can do that. And it's still technically at the event. It's not like it's in my garage. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> uh, that open dance then made me more inclined later, as you were mentioning, to do the same in Tina's room. There were dances that I did not request or that did not occur to me earlier in the day that we then danced with Tina's all-request crowd, including um, Street Soul and Switchblade with John and Rapper's Delight. Real oddball stuff. I am of the opinion that a, quote, dead floor in the main ballroom or playing dances to take away, quote, business from the other rooms is not in the best interests of dancers overall. I don't think it needs to be a competition where the main ballroom plays all the coolest stuff that you know, they think that... Uh, other ballrooms could just as easily play, like you know, a beginner dance, for example, um, so that people won't feel tempted to go to one of the other rooms. I think it's great that those other rooms are there, and the other rooms are there for a definite reason. They are happy to play all of these dances as small as the crowd may be to dance any of them, like Love, Sex, and Magic. That had way more people than I would have thought. Oh, I liked that one. Yeah, and... And yet, there's no way that that could be expected to be played in a main ballroom during, like, prime time, under most circumstances. It makes the, the experience of being in a room like Tina's on Friday night feel special. Like, you're getting to do stuff that you're not going to see most other places. And in the beginner room, you can do Champagne Promise for the first time that night. So it still feels fresh and, oh, we finally got to do Champagne Promise. I did not play Champagne Promise any of the three nights. As much as I love that dance, partly because it wasn't requested, partly because it's a slower dance and I knew that there were slow dances taught in workshops that weekend, this weekend, the weekend of. And so I would have to use my, quote, slow dance slots for ones that people requested that had just been taught. Yeah. I couldn't, u- quote, use one up. I'm using a lot of air quotes today. Probably because we're in the open air. <laughs> and um, I, I didn't want to expend one of those slots on, even though it's a very popular dance, a dance that the beginner room will probably be playing later. Right. One of the things we've talked about is how sometimes you'll see a dance played or on the board for the main ballroom and two dances later, you'll see it in the beginner room. And a couple dances later, you'll see it also in the all-request ball ballroom list. And you think, do any of these DJs, like, coordinate at all? Do they see what the other ones are playing? It was insane, because yeah. I know you guys had the, um, what was it? Oh, DJ, DJ Feet. feet. Mm-hmm. And you can click on it on the DJ Feed app, because mm-hmm. I saw in Tina's room them being able to do that. However... At one point, I was walking out of Tina's room, where she was playing Dive Right In, walked by the beginner room, where they were playing Dive Right In, which was really weird to me, because it was a beginner room, and that's not a beginner dance, so they might have had another dance to it. And then I walked into the main ballroom, where they were playing Dive Right In, and I went, wait, (laughs) how are you guys playing all of the same song at the exact same moment? There was another time where... I had just missed Lay Low in one room, and I walked next door, and they just started Lay Low in the next room. So I was able to dance. So I was really excited about that, because I love Lay Low, but I was like, wait a minute, they just played it. So I think there could have been a little bit better communication attempts, 
but other than that yeah it, um, for dive right in to have played it may have been beyond 11 or 11 30 p.m because i don't recall i may have played it during my set i don't think that i did, I don't think you did. but if it were that late then that may be when the the beginner uh, room turned into another request room yeah. after a point when the beginners have gone to sleep or wandered off they put an announcement saying hey it's anything goes in this room now so come on in and you know we can do intermediate and up now that it's late enough um so that may be what explains that that portion of what you were mentioning um i am definitely i mean people who listen to the podcast know that i am all about not doing repeats in certainly the course of one night in one ballroom um (laughs) Ideally, not in the same room over the course of the weekend. And if we're going to get crazy here, not more than once or twice in all of the rooms all weekend. So seeing the same dance in multiple ballrooms, uh, just imagine, just imagine. Sicily, early June, <laughs> line dance marathon. <laughs> If you have two dances, let's say two dances that are played back to back, let's say it's dive right in and perfect, in all three ballrooms at the same time, that's six, that, that's, that's a total of six slots during which one of them could have been doing dive right in and perfect, and the next room over could have been doing let's say pontoon in 50 ways and the next room over could have been doing new flow and pump it that's the potential that having multiple ballrooms gives you instead in this hypothetical scenario where they're all playing only two dances and they're all doing it pump it never gets played um I don't think I don't I don't recall seeing pontoon played um 50 ways was but like so many dances that could have been played are then not ever in any of the rooms because all the people who could have been doing dive right in and perfect in one of the ballrooms ended up distributed yeah there's not a lot of control that I have over this situation uh, but one of the things that I did learn was that if there is something that you think... I I also learned that there are dynamics. There are different kinds of opener four or five or six dances each night. If there's a dance that you know you cannot get away with not playing on the ever-so-crucial Saturday night, which is people's last hurrah before they go to sleep and probably leave the next morning, if you know you're going to be playing Groovy Love, you know you're going to be playing Lonely Drum or Shady or whatever it might be to match the energy of the people in the room. See if there's a way to not play that dance or those dances earlier in the week. Now, I, on Thursday, played a lot of my favorite dances that I knew a lot of people would know, many of which were also requested. Um, I probably could have held off on more of those, though. Because knowing that people come in more on weekend weekend days like Friday and Saturday not so many on Thursday I probably wasn't hitting the greatest number of possible people with Groovy Love as if I had just done it on Saturday and as it turned out I did it on Saturday as well but if I'm going for no repeats here I could have done something else in Groovy Love's position in the playlist on Thursday like say hand clap and then I could have gone for no repeats so close so close. There are only a couple. That's then um, a possibility for an older dance to show up. If it's not hand clap, maybe it's Swamp Thing. I'm kicking myself that I didn't get to play Swamp Thing all weekend. Or Swamp Thang. And it's also a very popular classic dance. Floor filler sometimes. And I could have been forgiven for playing that on a Thursday and maybe not hitting more than half of the floor because it's Thursday. Because I played a repeat, that dance never showed up in front of 
people who might really have benefited from seeing that, whether because they love that dance and it reminds them of the old days of line dance when they learned it, or because somebody new to the scene is seeing that and thinking, wow, what a cool dance, what is that? I should find out and bring it back to my classes at home. And we have a classic perpetuated. Repeats cause that sort of thing to be bumped, and this is why I am so passionate about avoiding them. And that is also why rooms like Tina's and Hal's and really any open forum for request dances, like, say, the line dance lobby in Vegas, why those are so beneficial. They expose people to new dances that they might not otherwise see, and they can help siphon off some of those dances that otherwise might fill up the playlist in the main ballroom. Like, as I mentioned, Champagne Promise could easily have done, but because I didn't play it, it left it available for the beginner room to play, and that slow song spot could be filled by one of the newer dances of the weekend. Yes. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> you got to get your practice in somehow. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's a lot of good information. and a lot of, I got a lot of insight to the DJ logic this weekend, mm-hmm. such as why certain dances are played and the order that they're played in and such information that might not have ever occurred to me unless it was actually specifically stated. Mm -hmm. Uh, It makes sense to think about the long run being, well, Saturday is going to have the most amount of people, so I should really, really save the big ones for Saturday night if I'm shooting for no um, repeats. I love having an all-request room and a beginner room. Those are some of my favorite rooms to dance in because the energy in those, it's always fun, it's always intimate, it's always just a whole different kind of animal than the main ballroom. Mm -hmm. The main ballroom, I feel like the DJs do a really good job of taking turns for groups of people that really enjoy different dances. Um, whereas in Tina's room, although it is still taking turns because you don't always hit everybody, because it's such a smaller, intimate space, it's more interesting to watch. And you get some random dances that you've never heard of or never seen before. And you get song switches for things. And there was one where they, they'd requested Marigo Round. Well, they were dancing Redneck Angel to Merry-Go-Round. And with that, I did the dance I know, which is Merry-Go-Round. And so it was kind of fun to have that floor split in Tina's room. And you wouldn't have necessarily gotten that experience in the main ballroom. Because it's a totally different atmosphere in the main ballroom. You wouldn't have they wouldn't have played merry-go-round because chances are those DJs honestly don't know those dances. And so if they're not familiar with those dances, those dances don't exist. To use a general quote. And that's not all DJs, and that's not every main ballroom, obviously, but it's less likely to occur in a main ballroom than a side room and for me it's fun to get to do different dances in different situations I think one of the other things you mentioned intimacy that the smaller all request ballrooms have um, going for them is the same effect you get from a small town where if you cut off somebody in a major city and they get all mad at you, and you don't care that you made them mad because you're never going to see them again, then you might be inclined to be less civil and think that there are no consequences. When you pull that kind of thing in a small town where everyone knows each other, you will face those consequences probably at the next town hall meeting. So you are on your best behavior, and everyone is polite. 
because nobody wants to be shunned by the rest of society. <laughs> in a small ballroom, people will be patient and they know that they're going to see each other all night. So if they don't know a dance that somebody requested because maybe only that person and two other people know it from their home bar, the other person in the room who's also doing requests is not going to roll his or her eyes and say, oh my God, I don't know this one. What a waste of all of our time. Now it's going to be forever till my request is played. Well, if there are only like six people in the room, your request is probably either next or the one after that. Right. So you're not going to be mad about a wasting of time that you think has happened. And you're sitting close enough by that they could probably, after their dance, sit next to you and chat you up. So let's hope that you know, your conduct made it so that that's going to be a positive and pleasant conversation. If you are in a main ballroom, a huge ballroom, where people are sitting 40 paces across from each other and you might never actually interact with them all weekend despite being in the same ballroom the entire weekend, you might feel more inconvenienced when somebody else is dancing something that you don't know with two or three friends. And you can be a little miffed and think that nothing's going to happen to you. Because, first of all, yes, it will probably be longer until your request is played because the DJ is now rotating among chunks of four or greater in an overall larger group. So it might be eight or nine dances before yours is played, if at all. Yeah. Every time you see somebody getting theirs played, you know that you're just going to have to wait that much longer. And, as mentioned... You know, if, if you take that too much to heart and let it show, then it contributes to the overall unpleasance of the room. I, I don't think that I've actually seen this, so it's more of a theoretical thing uh, in the main ballroom sense, but I know that I've seen in the smaller, smaller ballrooms a feeling of, wow, I've never seen that one before. Right. But that looks really cool. Maybe I can pick it up. That's another thing. I feel like in the main ballroom, people might not have as much patience with you trying to learn that dance Honestly. while they're all doing like this really pretty nightclub or waltz. And you're like, oh, let me stumble through this. In a beginner room or in an all-request room, you can do that. And because people need to be polite and they're going to see you after that song ends, they'll let it slide. They'll be like, oh, that's so nice. He's trying to join us. And in the main ballroom, they'd be like, this is our moment. We're trying to have a moment here. You're, you're dancing all over our moment. <laughs> Hypothetically, again, I actually haven't seen this, but, you know. Dancing or stumbling? Both. <laughs> Either. Um, and so, with two minutes left in our episode, uh, these are some of the many reasons I think it is so valuable to make these spaces available for people at a major event such as Marathon, um, where they can get a little weird, get obscure, really dig through the archives, maybe play, like I said, that pet dance of theirs from the bar, and not get, quote, in the way of the dancers in the main ballroom. There are pros and cons to having everyone all in one room, but uh, the cons are, as I mentioned earlier, and the pros of having division uh, are, as I have mentioned, over the last 20 or 30 minutes. Yes. Any last thoughts about Friday in particular? Other than the fact that I had just a really good, enjoyable day being up and social with people mm-hmm. and taking lessons. Because, like I've said many a times, I generally don't go to these workshops or events for the lessons. I generally go for the social dances. It was a nice and different experience for me to step outside of that box and be more a part of the event overall. I'll get more into this in the playlist breakdown, but uh, overall I'll say that the third day was kind of nuts as far as like m- me structuring the playlist behind the scenes. Uh, but day one, I had just a blast. Day two, I received feedback and tried different ways of working with it. and. I had a lot of fun doing 
that as well. And I think it, it went better than I might have expected for myself. Nice. Yeah. Well, for Lion Dance Podcast, we like to thank you for tuning in. This has been Megan Marcelino with Christopher Gonzalez. Until next time, we will see, see you on, on the, the dance, dance floor. floor.